Submit. Today I'm your host, Gwen Beebe. Uh, Shercole is not with us today, but I do have David Lewis and Gaither Stevens, and we are here to talk about building community in the HMIS admin world. So we were talking about NHSDC just now, which I think is a really fantastic place to start because I think that's where I met both of you for the first time, besides on Slack. So let's talk a little bit about NHSDC and building community. Absolutely, let's. I mean, passing it to you, David. (laughs) Yes, please. Um, I, I mean, I remember when I first got started in NH with NHSDC, and it was like early on in my career, and I think it really helped form. I mean, I, I, I obtained a lot of skills, and but it was the relationships that I was able to form through going to those conferences. I mean, the information was great, but it really, for me, embodied community. I guess, and, and it validated in a lot of ways my choice to go into this line of work. Like I, I saw the other people that were doing the work. We all had the same problems. We were it, just that collaborative experience. And the fact that there was these people from all over the country uh, dealing with the exact same problems that I was dealing in my community and that we were able to talk about those, it mm-hmm. was his problems and, and shared experiences was just really powerful. So I, I, that's what I hope others get out of NHSDC conferences and events. And I'm realizing, should have led with this, you can tell I'm a little rusty. David, remind us what it is that you do. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I am the vice president of, of NHSDC. So I, um, I have been blessed to be able to participate uh, on the board now for, geez, I think close to six, seven years feels like forever. Uh, and then in my day job, I'm the head of strategic programs at Ecovia. And Gaither, how about you? Well, uh, I build data dashboards, but I work with uh, a lot of communities across the country doing lots of different things, including uh, building an, uh, a learning management system for HMIS. I'm working on with uh, some people in Alabama and um, uh, Florida. I'm also working on a racial equity dashboard for Chattanooga. And uh, I, I love to speak. Honestly, NHSDC is, is a huge thing. It, it's, I mean, I, I, I couldn't be a, a bigger advocate for, for the conference. And like you said, the connections and the content and, you know, it's just, it's always an incredible experience. I, I, I've never had a bad NHSDC. I've actually been, you know, I, I may have, I went homesick maybe once from an NHSDC, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, <laughs> never, never, you know, anyone's fault or anything, but, but always worth it, <laughs> you know, it's because it's an incredible experience. I, I do love it. I, so fun fact, since we're talking about it, I actually went to an NHSDC before I was an HMIS admin by about a month. So I knew I was going to be, yeah, we were in, it was Portland. um, And it was a month before I started an admin role, but I knew that I was going to, and that's what I wanted to do. So I talked my way into getting to go. Um, It's like 15 minutes from where I lived. And by the time I knew that it existed, all the tickets had been sold out. So I emailed Shercole personally, who I'd never met, and begged a ticket off of her. Very kindly let me attend. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, 
I didn't know the difference between HMIS and the individual vendors. So at one point I asked somebody in Clarity if that went on top of their HMIS. Um, <laughs> they just stared at me. I didn't talk to them again for the rest of the conference. It was very embarrassing. But anyways, how things change. They really have. But right off the bat, it was a very welcoming community and it was easier to step into that space. You must have really enjoyed it then. Oh my God, I loved it. It was so much fun. I was so dressed up every single day. See, I was, I was always a little bit jealous because when I started as an HMS administrator, I could just go to two conferences that was like designated and they were mm -hmm. the two vendor conferences. And um, eventually the, the vendor- Two would go vendors. To no, no, it was the same vendor. No, it was the same <laughs> vendor that did two conferences. So I had to go- Oh. It was not that great. And then the conference that uh, one of them started being like way less HMIS focused. And so it's like, well, mm -hmm. I can still go to the one conference and expand it in HSDC. And I'm like, what have I been doing all this time? Why wasn't this one of the conferences? It's like, honestly, it should be like mandatory for every HMIS administrator. It's like, because what you learn there in three days is more than I would learn in six months on my own. I think there's also the benefit, the added benefit, if you will. Uh, and I'll just put it out there because I know I've made my share, fair share of mistakes as an admin. Uh, you know, I did that for 13 years and I feel like the opportunity to learn from people's mistakes as well, which we're all really <laughs> open about. I mean, I think that that's something that, I don't know, I don't know if it's our community, but it feels like we can learn from each other based on experiences, both, hey, I tried this and it worked, but it's also, hey, I tried this and it didn't work. And, mm -hmm. and then why did it work? And it's that constant process of you know, learning communities, which I mean, locally that happens a lot. You know, these social workers could be cross sector, could be within the same field coming together to discuss what works and what doesn't work and why doesn't it work. And it's that constant mm -hmm. evaluation, uh, which is driven by that need, which I think we can all agree, which is the work we're supporting is some of the hardest work in the world. I mean, trying to serve people in the situations they're in, helping the helpers if you're uh, from a vendor standpoint or providing the technology. It's it's incredibly difficult, complex work. And it's uh, isolating. And, uh, that's what I was going to say. It's very isolating. You're, you're almost on an island or, or a raft. And, and when you start out, you don't even know that there are other people out there. And I don't, I don't know about you, but when I started, I was told that everything we did was a competition. And I thought yeah. that was very odd. And I was almost um, you know, from really reaching out too much to other other um, COCs and other organizations, but I I realized eventually that I didn't have a choice. <laughs> there was just too much to do and too much to learn, and I needed help. I needed other people, you know. So I think we almost have to have that that connection and have that have to have those those other resources because I think sometimes we're just throwing so little training, and there's just so much to learn. And it's not mm -hmm. just that you're learning everything day it's like you have to learn everything from 2004 and where it's you know how it's gotten to where it's at so you have to know all the precedent and it's like mm -hmm. oh my gosh there's it's a lot for one person it's, it's overwhelming so i've never heard that messaging tell me about so you're talking coc competition but because we're part of the coc our jobs also looped into lumped into that well as far as the the, the mentality of the coc was because they mm -hmm. paid my salary so yeah, if, okay. if we didn't do good on our performance and we got less money, then that meant the neighboring community got more money, which means that, you know, we just didn't get as much funding. So it was mm -hmm. a competition. We were always trying to do better. And I and so I would want to reach 
oh, and see if I could, you know, if, if I was like, well, maybe they can help me and I can help them and, and turn around. And, and I was kind of discouraged a little bit from that. And I was real, at first, you know, I just, you know, in a new job, you always want to kind of step back and you know, do what you're told. But eventually it's like, well, I don't understand why we can't help each other. You know, because it, it's called a competition doesn't mean we really can't, you know, we're all doing the same work. But there was also some of that mentality of, well, they're coming, you know, people are coming crossing county lines and in that very them and i was like no 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 like we we're all in this together and the more we can help each other the more everyone's i wonder you know if, if part of that is there's certain times of the year where i see this sense of community that is more pronounced than others uh w- one of which being nofo time i mean every year you have you know we all we all go through that shared experience and, and I, <laughs> everyone's miserable together everyone's miserable but in that misery is that commute sense of community as well and and mm-hmm. it, uh, i agree with you you know that there is this sense that it's a competition but i think maybe that's what makes it even more meaningful that people still come together is yes you know it is it is a competition but regardless of that fact, I see that sense of community so pronounced during that shared struggle, NOFO, LSA, SPM, people reaching out through various Facebook groups or the, the Slack, the COC Alliance Slack is a great resource. And I mean, to me, when we're talking about that importance of community, that's it's at those times when you know, there's this shared struggle and, and it's so pronounced and, it, and everyone is so helpful it's reaffirming for me. And again, like I'm in the light, right line of work. This, these are the kind of people I want to work with. And I, I think that's really telling. Well, I honestly, I think, you know, what I find interesting is that it seems like the people that are in this work, we really struggle to try to stay in it no matter what, you know, even if we, we move on to another position or something, it's like, once, once you get into this, it's like, how can you not be involved? Like, I, I don't care if I ever went to a completely another field, if I went to you know, finance or whatever, I know now that because of where I've been, I'm always going to be somewhere involved in what we do. I, I, it's just a part of my life. Hey man, I'm a lifer myself. I hear you. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Well, and I think the last, you know, a couple of years, especially, I don't know, I, I just see so much more um, cooperation. And, you know, it, it's just a simple thing if you think there are like you know roughly 350 COCs, and if you've got you know let's just say 350 HMS administrators, and they're they're doing double duty, they're making flyers, doing all kinds of stuff, but you know maybe they come up with some kind of workflow that that's, that's useful for all the other 349 COCs. Why mm-hmm. can't we share that somehow? You know that that's yeah. what I, I don't understand. Yeah. Like why are we all doing this three, 350 separate times? And that's where I think the, the competition-minded part comes in, but it's wholly inefficient. Uh-huh. I mean, really, right. Right. why don't we have a central group that pops out, you know, something that's that's generic enough that 90% of the communities can use it. Maybe Chicago can't, maybe DC can't, but come on, how many counties and COCs are very similar that through efficiency, you could create a couple of documents and knock out just hundreds and probably thousands of hours of work for a lot of, uh, you know, people like us and for people that are in positions of, you know, administration. I, I mean, that's my thinking. That's And that's kind of where, you know, the idea of, of coming to a conference and collaborating and sharing this knowledge and then the Slack group, it's like, that's where this stuff really, it's almost like, despite of the way the system's set up, we're like, well, too bad, we're going to help each other anyway. And I think, I, I think <laughs> we're, we're going to do it despite everybody. Like, I don't care. <laughs> just Only a- you would make that a contrarian thing. Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
you know, we're talking about, you know, why does community matter? And I think there's a lot of reasons why it does. But I think one of the things that I have noticed, and I, and I wonder if you've noticed this as well, is how it changes and morphs over time. I mean, now I feel, I think back to where I started in my career, both with an HSDC and as an HMIS admin, and I think about where we're at now, and, and the lines are blurring a little bit. And there is this sense of, you know, we've, HMIS was very narrowly looked at as, you know, homeless data that people would characterize mm -hmm. that. And then, but now there's this, and, and there's this sense of, well, we need to get beyond that space because there's this, uh, there's uh, considerations for prevention programming and how we mm -hmm. prevent people from becoming homeless. And I think what we're realizing, and maybe we always knew this, is that it's all interconnected. So then what does that do to our community as we look to maybe align ourselves or work with medical providers that are interested in serving vulnerable populations, which we, you know, whether you're homeless or at risk of homelessness uh, or, or other, other needs that you have and you're dependent on that, that social safety net for those needs, we're all interconnected in that, in that sense. So I think that that's changing what community looks like for us. And, and who's part of that? We've been talking about this on and off, David, about as NHSDC is recruiting more board members as they're looking at sessions, like you're looking at more of that expanded definition, right? The human services right, data. Right. Yeah, we've, uh, I mean, we've very much been intentional in both the recent changes to our mission statement and and what we want to focus on, we embody that DEI focus, recognizing that, you know, regardless of whether we're talking about medical data or different data sources, you know, we, we want as an organization to address foundational issues and support, you know, addressing foundational issues. I mean, the data that we talk about, talk about using has real power to address some of these seemingly intractable problems like racial equity. And, and in order to do that, we needed a board that's going to be representative of, of minority populations with those with a diversity of experience that, so that we're able to really, really support the work. And, and I think we've, we've made real progress on that. We have expanded our board. We've added more board members. We're, we're always looking for new experience or um, ways of viewing the world that I think would, again, when we're talking about community and that NHSTC community or the bigger community that we're all a part of that we're, that we're supporting the work. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's incredible. You know, you said something earlier kind of about how you were asking about the, um, the way maybe things morphed or changed over time. And, and I've got to be honest, I, I kind of initially had my head kind of hunkered down you know, I just was very like, what's going on in my COC? Because there's so much to learn about mm -hmm. the systems that we have. And, and you know, everything from the way transitional housing works and emergency shelter and street outreach, there's so many components of it. And, and, and even that, even beyond that, there's, you know, there's eligibility and there's requirements and what's, you know, what's allowable. And, and, and it, honestly, it's like I was just so busy uh, keeping together all my reports and being able to do what I could do. I didn't really think too much like outside of my community. And I, I think I almost thought most communities were kind of the same until I started talking to them and I started seeing presentations and I started working with other communities and I realized, oh my gosh, they're all different. Like, as Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, really and so recently, I think that I've kind of gotten to this place where I can look up a little bit more and go, wow, there's, 
there's a lot of really um, you know unique things that are going on here. But going back to data, that's where like I'm starting to think maybe we can take the data that we're gathering, especially as as a vendor or or you know just uh, working with communities, and we can start to use you know we can do research projects. You know there, there was a that bo a book recently um, that was just released. The uh, was it homelessness as a housing problem? Mm -hmm. You know, and the idea of taking the we have so much data that we were custodians for, and we, we kind of just pass it on. And a lot of times we don't have the, the capacity locally to examine it or to research it or to, to really see what's going on. And sometimes we're lucky and there'll be a university or something that'll, that'll do some work. But I want to really kind of dig into some of these bigger national problems and kind of, you know, test some theories and look what's going on and, and looking things at racial equity. And, and like, that's where I think we can kind of elevate what we do to even an, a higher thing and then maybe even push like, uh, uh, hopefully, um, you know, policy forward or, or even mindsets forward. Like, I think there's some, I think we're starting out, like, you know, like I said, like maybe a lot of us start out with our heads in the ground doing what we have to do to survive, but eventually we connect and we start wanting to do bigger things and really make an impact. And then people move up into like TA and, and, and go to vendors. And, and I think that's really where we're going to see some push is when some of us then graduate and we really start, you know, <laughs> start really you know going this is what it's really like you know this this is you know we, we now know and we have the data we can make these huge you know pushes forward hopefully well isn't it isn't it about uh and, and, and i've been blessed to be able to work on these types of projects so that's kind of a big part of what i i've been doing and is addressing you know big data problems or or that interconnectedness if you will between data and like, what does it look like when you're able to piece together a community's data puzzle? And I really do think of it like that, this puzzle. And, you know, I think, you know, as we consider, like you, you mentioned, you know, we need to research, understand these problems at a deeper level. You know, I think that that's all, that's all very true. And part, part of it, I think, requires a shift from being a custodian of the data, where I feel like to a certain extent, we're collecting it, storing it. Is it accurate? Mm -hmm. It's all there. It's all accurate. Good. It's still there. Now <laughs> you know, actually use it in meaningful ways. And data has a shelf life. Like in mm -hmm. real, in some cases, depending, I mean, if you're doing research, great longitudinal research, you're trying to, you know, understand the history of a problem. But when we're talking about using data to help people, we, we need to be able to, to use that in ways when while the data is still meaningful is still gonna be able to support that need like when we talk about coordinated entry and for example or these big heavily data heavy projects that uh that we're just not able i think to move quickly enough on and and there there's a cost to that so i mean it's i think that there's is this evolution of community and we're broadening the, the types of providers, you know, whether they be medical or justice or, you know, they're all, they're all wanting to be a part of this. We're going to have to be thinking of how are we making that data meaningful and usable for research purposes, but more importantly for the day-to-day -day needs of the populations that we're collecting that data from. I get real antsy when you say justice systems. I just want to name that. I know. I, know. I hear you. We've talked about it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I know. That's awesome. And that's that's that that and these are the tough conversations. I'm glad you, you brought that up because I think these are the tough conversations that communities are having right now. This yeah. comes up, especially with justice providers. And I get to work, you know, I'm lucky I get to work with all these communities 
there's this whole world out there that I wasn't aware of when I was in Spokane. I'm like, wow, there's so many of you. And, you know, we're having <laughs> 349 more. <laughs> and we're having these conversations and it, it always comes up around justice. Like what is, mm-hmm. what is appropriate? What's, what's ethical here? And, and these are messy, sometimes scary conversations to have. And I think, yeah. you know, we'll need to continue having them. And, and I don't know what the right solution there is. You know, I don't know, you know, I can't understand. I hear both sides I of do. the argument. You're absolutely right. I have a solution. What's that? Let's hear it, Gay there. Yeah, simple solutions, actually. Um, because one of the things I was going to, when I work with all these communities and I said they have all different kinds of makeup, they all face the same problem. Resources. I thought you were going to say homelessness, but yeah, no, that makes sense. Resources can solve everything. Resources can everything, not just homelessness, education, lots of things. But if you think about it, I think we have limited resources in the community. Therefore, we argue about the way to spend those resources. We bump heads and then every community looks different. So if we had unlimited resources, I don't think we'd have these problems. I think what we end up having, though, is a a problem of efficiency because we I do want to name. I do want to name that our economy creates a false sense of scarcity. There could be enough. That's oh, all. I, I just we can go through some conversations. I agree with you one hundred percent about that. Okay, 100%. continue. Absolutely, I agree with you. And uh, so, yeah, so I think it's a resource issue that causes us to butt heads, and we act like you know my solution is better than your solution. But really, what we're doing is we're arguing about efficiencies. So that's kind of what I want to be able to help communities do on a ground level is be able to help them be more efficient because. It's very technocratic of you. I like it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just dig into. Here's what I do. I'll tell you. I'll be honest. I get into the data and like I build stuff and I, I I just I have I like problem solving and so I I I do. I like David was saying. I put this puzzle together. But what I started to do that I didn't used to do is I look at the puzzle now, and I'm like, what did I just create? And what can I do with it? And what does it actually show me? And it, oh, it's 3D and it's got depth and there. I can now examine this thing. So rather than just packaging it up and shipping it up to HUD. I'm like, no, you know, this is cool. They made me take care of this data. They made me trim it and and, and correct it and make sure it looks good. I want to I want to know what it shows now. I don't know. I know, I know every community can't do that because they again, capacity, time, lots of things. We have resources we could, but I think efficiencies are what we have to focus on right now because we don't have enough resources. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. If we had enough resources, can we I, could solve all of it. Can I respond to that? Because I I I I think I have a, a response that kind of agrees with both of you. Which I agree with you, Gwen. Yeah, we're not disagreeing. We're just agreeing in different ways. Yeah, this this false sense of of scarcity, right? Because it is artificial. It's imposed. It's it's what we as a society are willing to put towards, you know, that problem. But so agreeing with that, and I and I would argue that a big part of coordinated entry initially was in a response to this false, you know, sense of scarcity. Mm -hmm. But there's there is an always and almost always a need for efficiency and and the software solutions and the technology that's gonna be a better partner to caseworkers and helping mm-hmm. them. I think that they've been overlooked in a lot of this. You know, I mean it's like we're getting Absolutely. the data. We're getting the data from the, the client, the data is going into the platform, but the caseworker is making all this happen. But what what are we doing to support them? And I think that there's the efficiency can be found in taking the tools we have and better aligning them with the the service providers that are providing these services so that they're more complementary they're more it's not just data goes in here and it goes somewhere and we don't know what happens and it's just something you do because you have to do it but mm-hmm. find the ways that we're 
leveraging that technology to directly help them in their day-to-day work. And I see some of those, I've seen some really cool innovation in, in the, with coordinated entry. I know that that's something we talk a lot about. And, and, I, and I'm starting to see the beginnings of that. Here's another scary, scary, I'm gonna throw it out there, concept, but inter-ethical uses of AI as part of this. You're breaking up, we didn't hear the scary thing. Oh, you didn't hear the scary thing? No, the hammer. Say it again. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I would say the, the ethical use of AI or AI, what role does... Oh, that is scary. It is scary, but it's, it's another okay. one of those tough conversations that we're going to have. And I would argue that the reason we need to have it is because of that, that scarcity, whether it's, it's false or, or otherwise. I mean, because resources are so scarce and because we need that efficiency that Gaither is talking about, what is is there a role there? Understanding that there's all these ethic, ethical pitfalls, if you will. Mm-hmm. Let's say one thing well, is that a lot of the information that we collect is just getting used in different forms, right? It's like everything I've done that I'm proudest of, like the by name list that's based on what folks are doing, or the doc. Thank you. I do too. I <laughs> biased. Um, or like the chronic documentation that's generated from HMIS based on their history or like commerce paperwork that again is generated by the HMIS. So then you only have to put it in the system. You don't have to do the system and the paperwork. Like everything I've done that I'm proudest of is, are those things mm-hmm. where we're taking things that they have to do for their job and then using yeah. them to do a different part of their job so they can spend more time with the client. Cause nobody is a social worker because they're really excited about databases and paperwork. We need to find that it's one nothing. person that is just so that we're not able to say that anymore. There's that was that me. One. That was me. And, and I left. I quit. <laughs> I'm not a social worker anymore. I'm in it for the data. <laughs> I was so much happier. Like, one week later is all it took. We have both mentioned the Slack group a couple times. I want to loop back to that. Gaither, can you talk about when and why you started that? Yeah, so this kind of goes back to the uh, the beginning um, about five years ago when I became an HMIS data analyst. I had been in radio for almost 20 years before that um, and then uh, lost my job and finished my master's degree and decided I'd go into something completely different. Uh, I didn't really choose uh, the, the homeless system. It kind of chose me because I, I applied for <laughs> 150 different places. And uh, this homeless coalition called me up, and it was a, a one-stop place that did uh, everything from rapid rehousing to emergency shelter to uh, soup kitchen, pantry, um, all things on site. And I was so I was the actually not just the HMIS administrator, but I was also the uh, the IT guy um, for the organization. So um, I, I was kind of thrown in, you know, headfirst to this. And I I, I want to say early on, I, I was talking to a, a brand, Brandon Bellows and uh, over in uh, Sarasota, and the, just spending like, I don't remember, I think him and, um, and Amy, just maybe like an hour with them. And it just propelled me so far forward in, in my understanding of what HMIS was. And then I, I worked a little bit more, worked a little more. I think I went to a, maybe a conference, like I'd mentioned, and I met a couple more people and thought, this is, this is, I, I started realizing the more I talked to other people outside of my community, the farther I would jump forward in my understanding and my capability at my job. And so I got this idea of building a forum. And I did. I, I spent probably just probably maybe hundreds of hours building this really cool forum, I thought. And uh, I actually approached a vendor. It was my vendor at the time to see if they would help me kind of implement this. And they kind of were like, yeah, you know, sure, it seems like a good idea. 
I think for about a year, I got kind of put on hold with it. They wanted to separate it out so they were protected and their users weren't seeing other users' things and all this stuff. And I didn't want to step on any toes. So I just you can name them. Out. We're not head funded. We're not funded. Okay. We're just yeah, messing around. Good. Well, it, it, I won't. But anyway, it was. <laughs> This community didn't understand. I, I didn't understand what was being said to me versus the actions that were actually happening. I was confused. Uh, that happens mm -hmm. to me a lot. So I, um, I was, I, I was confused for a while, and I eventually was like, "Oh no, they don't want me to build it because that, they want to keep everything in a silo." So I'm like, "Oh, I'll just do it anyway." Now, I gave a year, <laughs> you know, I gave a year to whatever to be part of it, and you know, so I just decided I'm going to do it different. I started a Slack group and I just started inviting people and I was so happy. The first 100 people, I, I can't, every time we'd get like, maybe like 40 people and I'd go out and we had a fire escape and everybody else smoked and I didn't, but I'd go out there to socialize and, and uh, I was like, we got a hundred, guess how many people got a Slack? We got, we got 40 people. We got a hundred people. Every time I was so happy. I was like, there's so many people happy. we're helping each other. And I'll tell you what, man, I get Slack up on one monitor. And if I had any clue on how to help somebody, I didn't care. I just, I, I'm like, a, you know, I'm a squirrel. I love helping people. So anytime someone comes <laughs> you in, you say you're a squirrel. I, I, mean, <laughs> squirrel. Yeah. I don't know anything about squirrels, apparently. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, 90% of the people on there, or 90% of the answers probably came from me. And so I probably messed up HMIS for years to come because if I answers out there that don't know anything, you know, this is Gaither guy five years ago, you should probably get retrained. But anyway, it's it just kept being so cool. And we kept, you know, I, I started meeting people in person at like NHCC mm -hmm. conferences. And, and it was like, they, they'd be like, oh, I know you're from Slack. And I'd be like, I don't know who you are, but I know you now. You know, I, like, I know your name. I don't know your face. And you know, whatever. But now we're over yep. a thousand people. Yep. And, I know, but and I want the paid place, the paid version so I can, I can meme on there. I know, no, no gifts. I, I can't do any. It, it's so sad. You can do gifts. I think yeah. you have to pay for the money ah. in my account. No. What? No. Have I been do there? backslash backslash Giphy. Oh, oh, yeah, and then you can't like pick a it though. Thing. Yeah, you shuffle although, and you can. Yeah. Oh. Although I do, do, do want the paid version so that I can see my old messages because yes. like past Gwen is my one of my favorite people to steal from. They're much smarter <laughs> oh, than current Gwen. <laughs> um, so no, I like to go back and see like, what I used to like, know. An old gaither, but past wins of, of old gaither. But um, yeah, no, I, I actually emailed uh, Slack, um, and they say we don't currently qualify under uh, under the. But and then I and I emailed HUD. Or, well, I did an AQ. I didn't ask a question, and I was like, "Hey, will you guys pay for the Slack?" I mean, because why not? What are they going to say? No? I mean, they're already not paying for it. They can just not pay for it more. And I, you know, <laughs> They tell people about it. I do. I know they tell people about it, even unofficially. I tell so, no, I have a channels. I'm, I actually, I might end up trading a dashboard locally to um, the homeless coalition I used to work at. The new CEO and I are friends, and I was like, well, maybe you know, she probably knows how to do a nonprofit. Maybe I'll trade them a dashboard, and and they'll build a, they'll they'll start a nonprofit for us, and then we can That'd have cool. a COC Alliance be nonprofit, and then Slack will be. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking like these dominoes. Nothing's insurmountable. So then we need a board. Yeah, see, that's like, I gotta learn all that stuff. So we've talked about this before, Gaither, right? Like we've had meetings about what would this look like if it was more formal? And one thing that I am still deeply, deeply committed to happening someday is a formal mentoring process because that would have meant the world to me. What? A formal mentoring process. Oh, oh. Like for new HMIS admins, because we've all had those conversations, right, at HSDC where somebody's like, oh, yeah, I've been in this role for two months. 
I don't know anything that's happening. And I think I'm going to quit because nobody has the answers. We should figure something well, out as part of NHS. Because we always ask people, is this your first we NHS? We do. And we should ask, you know, I, I think take it we a step further. Pair, pair them pair up. people up. Yes. We need oh to, my gosh. I would love a buddy. Oh, system. That's an awesome idea. We should be doing that. I mean, it, it's it's such a scary world to step into if you don't know, you know, you're going to be alone at first and mm-hmm. you need to bring that community together. I'm going to, I'm going to mention it. There's got to be something well, we can do. We're building community. Look at this. A lot of things I do, I, I go, you know, I'm like, why doesn't HUD do this? And I'm like, well, fine. If they're not going to yeah. do it, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Thinking of decisions being made on this call. One thing that is occurring to me, because folks listening to this, you can't see us, but I can see us. We're on Zoom. Um, This was pointed out to me. We're a group of white folks that talk a lot, talking about community. Since you named DEI earlier, just want to name that. There's a lot of us in this space. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, you know, and and I'm hoping to grow, you know, as as an organization, um, you know, as Gaither Dynamic grows, and you know, I'm already Are you hiring. About that. That, that not yet because that well, so honestly, I've had people want me to hire them, and honestly, I'm too scared to commit to not being able to. I want to make sure I can pay someone for like a year. You know, I I don't want to take somebody on unless I am responsible for that person. And I'll mm. honestly too, I just want to hire, you know, other white men. You know, I mean, I want to be able to be, I, I want my organization to be diverse, but I want to do it responsibly. I don't want any kind of tokenism and I don't want any kind and of legally. thing, where, you know, huh? And legally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't, yeah well, I just, I just, I, I really want, I, here's the thing. I don't want to be, I, I even don't want the letter of the law. I really do want the spirit of the law. And I really do want maybe even to go beyond that. Like I really truly believe in equity and I feel like, you know, I'm in a position that maybe I can help, um, you know, push that uh, needle forward and maybe even, uh, whatever, just just do something good and and, and help people, and I, I think that's amazing. And so I do want to make sure that everything I do is done the right way. Um, so that's why I'm kind of cautious when I say yes to things, or I I take my time on stuff because it's like I need to research, I need to talk to. People. I build this racial equity dashboard, and you know with BI Spadat, you know we know what happens there. And okay. you know I've already hired a, I hired an outside diversity consultant. I ran it through um, a Harvard fellow, and I'm going to be getting another person in the HMIS field to vet it because it's so important to me that. I don't just put something out that's just another white man doing another white man thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't mean to listen. Doing white man shit? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just doing that. I'm part of the system, you know, and I don't want to keep the, the system sucks, and I don't want to keep perpetuating it. So if I can you know, put a roadblock in that system and divert it a little bit doing, doing my part, and some of that might just be, you know, I, I've thought about this myself. It's like I, I like fighting in the trenches as much as everybody else, but, you know, you, sometimes you can fund uh, initiatives and they can do a lot more than me arguing with somebody on Facebook or, or someone in my a local community thing. I can fund local politicians. I can fund local initiatives. I can donate to the organizations that are really making a difference and I can really start, you know, oh, you're pushing donor class. Look at you. Yeah, I can't not be. I, honestly, I can't not be. If, can I afford to be? Maybe not, but I can't not be. And not, you know, I just, I, 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 I everything that. I have. I'm, I'm talking to everybody. I've got this microphone, and you know, I've got you know, I, I'm wearing it like I like my little button-up shirt. And Gaither's microphone's very nice, everyone. You should know it it's very, very nice, nice microphone. It's not that nice, but it's. It, I got Are... this because of privilege. No, I got this because of privilege, and I want to make sure that you know I I, I acknowledge that, and that I, I I I'm able to you know hopefully change this for someone else in the future. You know, 
I mean, I, I think that's what it's really about. We we really want to push things forward, and I don't want to do it down in the mud. I want to be able to do it, you know, on big levels if possible. If not, I'll, I'll fail, but at least I'll fail. You know, I'll try first. That's why whenever I can, like it's tricky, right? When you're built, when you have something that you've built on the clock, but whenever I can, I template things. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. here's this thing that I did. Here's a free copy. You can do it yourself. I'll walk you through it. Like that's very important to me because it takes a lot of time and a lot of privilege to have the skill set to build those. And not everybody does, but that doesn't mean the COC doesn't need it. Amen. Yeah, I, I you know, and that's a good point because as a, as a business owner, I try to balance that. And there are things that I do try to do that are free and can benefit everybody. But at the same time, I am trying to eat myself yeah. and, and have a house and have, you know, these things. Um, so it is, it's a balance. You know, I, I think that, I think in this country we can have profit, but we do not need as much profit as we think we do. We can have profit and, you know, elevate everyone at the same time. There's plenty of resources in this country. From each according I, I to their means. Just like you said, the false scarcity, that's a great way to put it. I really appreciate that. I needed that knowledge. <laughs> <sighs> I... I'm not passionate at all, by the way. Hey, that's why that's why you're here, my friend. That's why you're here. Appreciate you. Um, I'm gonna have to wrap this up pretty soon because I have to go meet my second grader at the Aww. bus stop. So um, we just started. Fun. Finally, oh my gosh. Uh, any closing thoughts before I wrap us up? Oh boy, I guess my closing thought would be. I would love to see everybody at fall in HSDC. Look me up. And if you ever want to talk big data, data warehousing, the the social, the technology and social services, hit me up on COC Alliance or, or reach out because I will forever geek out on those topics. And um, I always love the opportunity to encounter new perspectives or new problems to solve. Well, I mean, Thank I can definitely so kind of, well, yeah, Dave, well, David's amazing. I mean, objective truth. You are, you know, every time we HSCC, I mean, Gwen, you're amazing too. I mean, that's awesome. What we do is because if I went out of what we do, I don't know what I'd do without everybody that I've met. I've met yeah. so many wonderful people. Mm-hmm. I mean, really like the, that I really consider friends. And that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing to me and it's, it's made my life better. Um, and so I just, I, I will say, um, anyone that sees me in public, feel free to come up and talk to me. I might be hella socially awkward or nervous. And I'm willing to talk about just about anything. Cause I, I read a lot and I, you know, I may not, and I'm, if I pretend to know something and, and you, you and I don't just, just call me out. I make a lot of <laughs> And I pretend to know stuff because I'm a white man and I really don't. So correct me all you want. I probably deserve it. <laughs> you know, I actually I do, do want to name that I have done that and you are receptive to that. Not I, Some I, people I, say do this and then you do and they get real mad. So I appreciate no, that you no. don't. No, I'm neurodivergent. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Um, yeah, I mean, I put this in my NHSDC testimonial, but like I've, some of my favorite people in the world I've met. Oh, you, you guys had great testimonials. Thank you for doing those. Of course. Oh, I didn't Thank actually you. do mine yet. I will. My bad. <gasps> so you don't even know, David. I thought, oh, who did I you will. Do? Mike. I'm, I'm thinking of Mike. Mike did one. Mike Smith. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. You let Mike do it, though? I don't know. I did. You know, he was at NEH and he wasn't wearing his hat. No, I recognized him at first. It was very disorienting. I thought by law he had to wear the hat all the time. I thought so, too. He came and found me later to show me that he was wearing it again. See, I still have it. That's it's almost exactly what he said. Don't all let right. it happen again. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much for joining thank me you. today. This Wim, has been such a so joy. Much. And thanks, Nicole, too. I really, just real quick before we end, I mean, this, you don't have to put this on the tape or anything, but I, I do really appreciate you guys doing the, the, the click submit stuff. I, I've listened to every episode, I think, for one. I'm not caught up yet. But I really do. I sit and I listen to every single one of them. And sometimes I'll get working on something and then I'll be like, oh, I wasn't listening. And I'll like close what I'm working on. Like, I, I go back and I'm like, I don't, I got to listen. I got patience like five minutes because I was, I really want to know. You guys are said. famous. Like everybody oh it's, it's a really a good thing you do. So thank you. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And I'm glad that you listened. I am I'm not just sure. shouting into the void, <laughs> which yeah, I'll do. Thank but you. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Right, I'll see you all you next month. Yes, you yep. will. Looking forward to it. Bye. Bye, y'all.